Hello, everyone, and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 95th episode of a mm, sporadically recorded footballing podcast. I had to catch myself there. I am your host, Zach Pentak, alongside my friend, Adam Gotham. Adam, how are you doing today? Uh, footy, Zach. We're still alive. Footy. <laughs> Despite despite popular opinion on message boards all over the internet, Adam and I are still uh, we're still kicking, and once in a while decide to dust off our microphones and and earbuds and, and record a podcast. So glad to be doing that currents tonight, and glad to be talking about football at a very exciting time in both Newcastle and the Premier League. Exactly. We go away for a couple of months and all of a sudden Newcastle are good, Zach. How did that happen? Oh, we're the we're the best defense in the Premier League. Uh not the best team in the Premier League, but quite quite close to it. Uh yeah, it's been it's been a, a season of dreams, a season that I think most people could not dream of. I certainly did not have us. I, I was I was very much and I remember doing this on the pod at the beginning of the season, one of the people kind of poo-pooing the idea of of top four in our in our first full season under Eddie Howe um and and how wrong I have been um you know top four not solidified but looking pretty nice at the moment I think if you cast your mind back Zach too you'll remember that I actually touted us for a European place at the beginning of the season Mm, didn't say didn't say Champions League but I did say us getting into Europe in some form or fashion so that's very very proud of that prediction that hopefully will still come true. I mean, hey, heck, if we win the cup, it's guaranteed to come true. We're in Europe, so. That is true. We'll be playing, we'll be playing Bodo Glimt away in, in Norway come come the fall. Or the Norway FB or Stuttgart. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's been something else to, to watch this team play. And we, we're not going to, for the agenda for today, it has been <laughs> upwards of three, two, two and a half months. Um, so we won't be going through everything that's happened to Newcastle since then. Um, instead, we'll we'll mainly be focusing on the uh, Premier League transfer window that just closed, um, as well as a little bit a little bit on Newcastle, our, our form in both the league and the cup competition that we are still in. Uh, hint, hint, it's not the FA Cup. It'll never be the FA Cup. Newcastle, maybe an early armchair pundits, Newcastle will never get out of the third round of the FA Cup, uh, regardless of how good we are one day. Um, but yeah, it should, it should be a fun one. Yeah, exactly. Sheffield Wednesday had our number in that game, so no excuses whatsoever. But I'm pumped to talk about the transfer window. There have been some crazy big transfers that have happened in the last yeah. 31 days or so. Uh, it's been wild to see the amount of money that some teams, <clears throat> we won't mention them now, we will wait for that. But some teams have gone big in this transfer window, and they weren't Newcastle necessarily. So um, yeah. it'll be Interesting to chat those through. Uh, the format for this, we're actually going to go through and we're going to talk about our booms and busts. Very American terminology there, fantasy football related. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there has been some fantasy football done by one specific team here during this window. Uh, again, Ooh, coming nice. coming up short, shortly. Who could um, it be? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll go through our booms, the players that we think are going to be big successes, our busts, the ones that we don't have great hopes for, people uh, that we think we're overpaid for, 
um, and others that we think we got the teams got good value for. And then finally, our team that had the quote unquote best window, however you may be describing that, Zach. Is best the most money spent? Is best the most value for money? Is best just, hey, they didn't spend any money and they were financially responsible. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right answer, but <laughs> such a boring answer. <laughs> yeah, Leicester City, Leicester City. <laughs> yeah, really, really impressed by how Fulham kept their bottom line super healthy this January. <laughs> right, Mike Ashley is not a chairman of the Premier League anymore, so we cannot take the claim for that one. That, that unfortunately. All right, let's get right into it then. Um, Booms, why don't I let you go first? Who would you say is wholeheartedly the best signing Ooh. of the January transfer window? Uh, wholeheartedly the best signing. I don't know if I would put that that level of, of weight on my, my stamp of approval, but I can give you a few a few booms that or a few players rather that I think were, were really great purchases and are, are going to be very integral to their respective club success, both the rest of this season and going forward. The first one is Pedro Porro, uh, the right wing back signed by Tottenham Hotspur, uh, coming over from Sporting Lisbon for a fee of about 39 million pounds. Uh, the reason that this one really stuck out to me is it does kind of feel as though uh, with all the drama going on at Tottenham surrounding the future of Antonio Conte, uh, the the very intentional kind of unwillingness for him to commit to any sort of future with Spurs and, and trying to hold this hard line with Daniel Levy, uh, Poro seems like a signing that is really, really perfectly in line with Conte's style as a manager and perhaps being made to help appease and, and hopefully keep Antonio Conte in North London going forward. So Poro, for for uh, people not familiar with him, a young right wing back, as I mentioned, um, very much so can shuttle up and down the field, play a serviceable defensive side as well as stretching the width and, and providing service into the box. And if you know anything about Antonio Conte, he loves playing three at the back slash five at the back, depending on if you're attacking or defending. And this was the purpose largely for buying Ivan Perisic, right? A player who is known to be able to do exactly that on the left side. And Poro provides that matching on the right side. He can do it much better than Matt Doherty, who's now been, been cast away on loan, can do it much better than Emerson Royale, a player that my father constantly uh, states is one of the worst players he's ever seen wear a Spurs uniform. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, th I think a really, really uh, good signing for Spurs, a player that I wasn't familiar with before this January, but the more I've read, the more I have really understood why this is a savvy move. I like that. An unexpected one there. And you, you mentioned Matt Doherty as well. Um, Atletico Madrid. Crazy. Wild, yeah. I mean, you think about like their downturn. They've gone from in the space of a year, having Kieran Trippier, one of the best right backs in the world, to now having Matt Doherty as their right back. So, but you know, if anyone can get the best out of him, it's Simeone. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, a, a defensive player and uh, Simeone, maybe the most defensive manager in in the world at this point in time. Uh, so yeah, that that's one of my booms. Um, would love to hear one of yours before we we kind of ping pong this. Yeah, I think the uh, the signing of the window for me, um, and probably for most people, um, Enzo Fernandez, just the new British transfer record in terms of an incoming transfer, um, over 100 
million British pounds. In fact, 106.8, very specific number there, million pounds. 21 years old, had an incredible World Cup uh, with Argentina, came in and is now going to be a Chelsea player if he stays through the end of his contract for the next eight and a half years. Wild. Um, I see Fernandez being the same sort of level of player, if not better than Cesc Fabregas was for Ooh. Chelsea back in the day. This guy Whoa. is an immensely talented individual um, and is going to go on to incredible things with this team. Um, I just hope that he he thrives in Chelsea, where sometimes farm players have come in and not most recently. Different type of player, different position, but Timo Werner came in with a pretty high expectations. Kai Havertz has had the same expectations of him coming in from European football to Chelsea. So I really hope he thrives there. But I mean, if, if you watched Argentina play at all in the World Cup, you saw a an incredible talent um, that, you know, can score goals, um, box the box midfielder um, and really controls and dictates the pace of games. Um, so I'm really excited for this one. Hate to say it, but um, Chelsea picked up a really good player there. Mm. I'm going I'm to kind of like skip ahead here and say that it's interesting to hear you say that because I marked Enzo Fernandez as one of my overpays uh, for this transfer window. Uh, that said, I would very much agree with you on the length of the contract being a, a fairly uh, impressive aspect for them to nail down there. That's something that I think Todd Bully, coming from uh, an ownership of a baseball club, the Los Angeles Dodgers, that's a tactic that you see constantly used in in baseball, players being signed to eight, 10, 12-year contracts, and for that exact reason, locking them down for the foreseeable future. Obviously, contracts in football are a little bit more flimsy in the sense that anybody, in theory, can get bought at any time. But I do think that that is a really good move for such a young player. Uh, I think that the only, the only, not even knock, but the only question mark on Fernandez is, is can he do it at the club level in the same way that he did it in an Argentina team that was so clearly, you know, so, so well fit for one another. Um, you know, Alexis McAllister was one of the best midfielders of the tournament. And I think that, you know, same with Fernandez, I, I'd be interested to see, can he do it with Chelsea? He doesn't have a lot of experience in club play, um, you know, at that top level. But if, if you're right, if it pans out, then, then then you have your center midfielder for almost the next decade. Yeah, you're you're buying based on a lot of potential at this point. But I think there's been enough glimpses of what potential he has that you're feeling pretty confident in this signing as a Chelsea fan. Yeah, that is fair. That is fair. Uh, cool. Well, uh, jumping over to, to one of my other booms. Uh, so again, a, a signing that that quite impressed me. Uh, Jorginho going from Chelsea to Arsenal for for twelve million pounds. Uh, this one is one that I don't think anybody really saw coming, but uh, I think just such a savvy move by Arsenal. Uh, you know, the, the league leaders looking to kind of cement their their title run, especially with a, a match upcoming against Man City. That'll be a huge of dictation and i think that Jorginho is a player that probably will not often be participating in the arsenal starting 11 but provides that level of experience um in in all you know facets in the premier league and the champions league uh and that's something arsenal lacks an extremely young team and i think just having a leadership head there Jorginho, the longtime captain of chelsea um I think just it's it's a really really intelligent move by Arteta in the in the backroom staff of of Arsenal. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's a 
it's a signing that's fairly low risk at that price. Um, I agree. And it brings a little bit of experience to a team where, you know, all of the talk this season has been about, you know, they're, they're winning things with youngsters, right? And they don't have a lot of experience through that team. Um, relative, I think might be the youngest average age of a starting a level, uh, uh, starting 11 in the Premier League this season. Um, you add Jorginho to the mix, somebody who maybe isn't going to start necessarily every game, but what a great level of experience you bring in there. Italian international has played a ton of um, international games for Italy. Um, and then just the presence that he's had over the few, last few years for Chelsea. I think it's a no-brainer. I'm actually kind of disappointed that Newcastle didn't hop in on that deal at that price. And maybe they wouldn't have done business with them because they're a rival for the top four. But heck, they sold them to Arsenal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, totally agree with you. Really, really smart move by Arsenal there. Do you have any more booms or, or should I toss out my last one? I do. I've got um, I've got two more, so I'll I'll jump cool. in next. And actually, another purchase from Arsenal, um, Leandro Trossard, um, mm. really great signing for them. Seven goals, three assists this season for Brighton. One of his best returns um, in a half season to date, and just you know a quality Belgian international player. And I don't think they overpaid for him. Twenty seven no. million at that age. Not with, at all. You, you know, with the experience that he has in the Premier League and come in and make an immediate impact. I don't know that he'll start every game for them. I don't think he needs to, though. I think it just really adds to that squad depth that they have there. Um, and what an impact player to be able to bring on if he does start from the bench. Just somebody that knows his way around a Premier League football pitch. Um, and I think is going to be good for at least another seven goals through the end of the season. Um, somebody who I think can be up there in double digits easily. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a great move for depth, exactly as you said, for both this season, for next season, for the Champions League. Like this is a this is kind of a Manchester City type signing in my mind. A player that, you know, taking a player that should be starting week in and week out and and allowing him to or, or convincing him that it's it's worth joining, you know, a, a bit of an elevated side to be part of this system, to be part of this journey. Uh, and and the product that Arsenal is producing, so I, I like that a lot as well. I was I was also surprised that the the fee was that low, especially with how important he's been to Brighton this year. Yeah, I think he um, he was ready, right? And he's that sort of player. Also, now that we're talking about it, just in terms of him being a squad player and somebody that could potentially start every game but doesn't need to, he's the exact same thing for Belgium. Um, he that's exactly what he does at an international level as well. I think he's content doing that, um, but I think his time kind of came to an end at Brighton. I was quite surprised, honestly, speaking of Brighton, that Alexis McAllister didn't leave as well. He's a player that I thought after his showing at the World Cup, you mentioned it earlier, would probably be on his way and there'd be plenty of teams in for him. But alas, no. Um, I think he's got many years ahead of him too. But Brighton know how to find him, man. <laughs> and Arsenal like buying him from Brighton too. Ben White in the past, um, they've been able to get some really good players from from Brighton. So um, they're doing a lot of good things. And I'm really glad Dan Ashworth is now hopefully going to do those same things for Newcastle. Yeah. I, I, before I jump into my, my last player for this category, I saw a tweet that I very much agreed with, which said, it's, it's funny that with all the money in the Premier League, uh, teams decide not to invest in, in developing the exact same structure that Brighton has had and has made them so successful and instead are just picking players off of Brighton. And I think it's it's one of those things that unfortunately is is kind of the downside of the Premier League is is how true that is, right? That 
that Brighton has developed such an unbelievable system, both through their academy and their recruitment. Um, but they they just, at the end of the day, don't have that financial wherewithal that that other teams have to be able to just come in with a bid and and say, you know, that there's always going to be a number that Brighton will settle for, uh, except in the case of Moises Casado, which is another player Arsenal tried to buy and were unsuccessful in doing so. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of respect for Brighton. They're probably the team I, I like most besides Newcastle in the Premier League. And controversial opinion, looking better under their new manager than they did under Graham Potter this season. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. I totally agree. Yeah, it's they haven't skipped a beat. It's been unbelievable. Uh, they're, the, they're the team of this season to me, uh, even above Arsenal, even above Newcastle. I really think so. Um, that's maybe a discussion for another day, but it's unbelievable what they've been able to do. You could certainly make a strong case for it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with either. Yeah. Um, okay, last boom for me. Uh, picking a player that um, another kind of surprised move on the final day. Marcel Sabitzer going from Bayern Munich to Manchester United. This is a loan deal. Sabitzer um, had still only 28 years old. A little surprising for me to hear that. He's been really at, at the top level in Germany for a long while. Um, and a defensive midfielder going to Manchester United, I think this is a really, really smart move for them, especially with the potentially long-term injury to Christian Eriksen that happened uh, in, in the last week or so. Um, so yeah, a player who's been there, a player who's competed in Europe, competed at the top level, I think, again, similar to the Jorginho move, one that is is just a logical kind of filling of a gap for them. Yeah. That, that that definitely makes sense. I think, you know, he's got the connections, Ten Hag as well, to potentially bring in these sor sorts of players on loan. Um, just with the time that he spent managing in European football, playing with Ajax in Europe, um, these are the sort of players that I was expecting them to be picking up. Um, mm -hmm. And his network has been able to provide that. So um, Man, Man United seems to be going from strength to strength, to be honest. Um, and I'm really glad that after the rocky start, they they stuck with him because I think they're going to reap the rewards of it now. He's a great coach. Yeah, he, he really is. And and you have a player like Marcus Rashford, who's, I'd say right now, a, a top five player in the Premier League pretty easily at Absolutely. the moment. So, yep. Um, yep. Form player, player since the World Cup, for sure. Yeah, 10 goals in 10 matches. Unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. So, no, yeah, no complaints there. Man, Man United are deservedly in the top four right now. They're They're playing very well. All right, last player for me, um, not, not one that anybody's going to get too excited about, but exactly what this team needed at the right time, in my opinion. Um, Craig Dawson from West Ham to Wolves, 3.3 million in his early 30s. Um, I just think for that amount of money, what they needed, and they're always buying Portuguese players for high transfer fees and then Salomon for even higher transfer fees. It's kind of been their MO, but they lost Connor Cody in the summer. Um, and I think that's been a big downfall for Wolves and the reason why I think they've been struggling so much You're in 17th place, just outside of the relegation spots right now. If you look at their uh, record so far this season, they've shipped 30 goals in 20 games and they've scored 12 goals. So, um, yes, they need to score more goals, but at the same time last season, we were talking about Jose sign goal and how solid they were at the back. And it didn't matter that they weren't scoring as many goals, uh, because their defense was like one of the best in the leagues, not the case this season. And I think one of the big misses and reasons for that has been Connor Cody and the leadership he's brought to the team. 
A lot of West Ham fans were not happy that they let Dawson go. Um, really good, strong, dependable player. Very like Dan Byrne in a lot of ways. That sort of player mm -hmm. that's always going to put in a shift for you. Might make the odd mistake here or there, but is 99% of the time a super dependable defender. And to get him for that low an amount, I think it's going to be a really astute piece of business for Wolves in the second half of the season and might be a contributor into them surviving in the Premier League this year. Absolutely. It's plugging plugging the leaky holes, and that is really you know what it takes. I think a strong defense gets you out of a relegation fight quicker than a strong attack. And with Wolves, a team that has neither of them uh, at this moment in time, uh, kind of doing what, as you said, they've done in, in past years and focusing on the defensive side of the game. So I agree. It's just one of those logical signings and, and one that hopefully will, hopefully for them, will will kind of solidify their place outside the, the bottom three. Yes, indeed. That was my thinking too. So, all right, let's move on to busts. I have three players who I think are going to be busts in this transfer window. Um, okay. How many do you have, sir? I technically have one, but I have two... I have two things I want to talk about for this. So okay. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you start. Um, I'll let you start with yours. I'll kick it off. I'm going to go with Vought Veghorst um, yeah. from, Bur from Burnley to Manchester. You have taken, you've taken my only player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I should let you speak then. <laughs> Go on. No, let's, that's hear, great. let's hear your reasoning behind it then. If you're going to, if you're going to pick Vought. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, that Vegar scoring perhaps the goal of the World Cup with that trick-free kick. Um, one of the most unbelievable moments you've ever seen to to get them to get them tied with Argentina in the quarterfinals. Yeah, in the quarterfinals. Uh, but I just like for what Man United are doing and for this project that they're building, he stylistically doesn't make any sense. He's a hold-up striker. He has very, very little pace on him. And, you know, when you're playing off the, when, when you have Marcus Rashford playing off the shoulder, when you have Jaden Sancho playing off the shoulder, even players like Casemiro who, who like to recycle the ball and get it forward and, and really kind of pick up the, the pace of play. Uh, Val Vekors is just not a man who, who can kind of contribute to, to that aspect of the game. Uh, so far, we've seen him have five appearances totaling 380 minutes. This is between the Premier League, the FA Cup and the League Cup. And he has one goal. Um, and I, I just don't see there being a lot of output. I see this as kind of being what Chris Wood was to Newcastle in the second half last year. Maybe a, a purchase for need, but really not a purchase for, for any sort of fit. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to really contribute too much to Manchester United's uh, top four push. No, I agree. I mean, it smacks of desperation for me. You have Cristiano Ronaldo leave. And granted, Cristiano Ronaldo was, he had to leave, right, with all the problems that. Um, Man United were having with him at the time, but to, to as, a, as a fan of Manchester United to go from having Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best players in the world for the last 10, 15 years, and Vought Veghorst being your person coming in, it's it's almost laughable. And the the other thing I'll add to what you say, and I agree with everything you said, is he's just not a very nice human being. I think he's really? done the dirt. He's done the dirty on Burnley. When they went and got relegated, there was no semblance of him staying and, you know, taking any responsibility for the fact that they went down, wanting to help fight. Now look at them. They're flying. They're like a million points ahead at the top of the championship under Vincent Company and Craig Bellamy. And they're doing a wonderful job. I guarantee Burnley go up at the end of the year. He'll be all like, 
come back, Burnley. All is forgiven. He's a mercenary. Um, and I hate that about him. He wanted to go out from Burnley so that he could make the World Cup squad. He barely did anything during his time at the World Cup. Um, and I think he's an overrated, mm. overhyped player. He scored a great goal. Whatever. He scored one he goal. He scored both of those goals. He scored two. No, he scored both oh, of the goals whatever. against Argentina. Yeah, I mean, but yes, it's the last though, didn't they? So, um, you know, Vout for me is a mercenary. Um, he doesn't fit the style of that team. Uh, I don't think that he's he's the right. It's almost like putting Peter Crouch up top for Barcelona. It just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Um, I, I I don't see it. So he was the immediate first person that came to mind when we we're talking about busts. Fair enough. Yeah, I I, I agree with the on pitch the on pitch dynamics of that. I don't have as much of an issue with him leaving Burnley to try to make a World Cup squad, but I can understand how how that might anger the uh, the football purist in you. Yep, no, absolutely. I think back to like Musa Sissoko um, and Jeannie Wijnaldum and how they handled it. And to this day, how the Toon fans have, you know, um, really reacted and responded to those two players when they've come back. Musa Sissoko got, gets so much hate from Newcastle fans because of the way in which he left after the relegation. Yeah, it was oh, like, yeah absolutely. Jeannie, Jeannie Wijnaldum was very humble about it and said, look, I'm wanting to, you know, do my best for my team. Um, from my international perspective, and I and I feel like I've got more to give from a Premier League versus the whole like there's no way I would even consider the championship um, mm -hmm. conversation. Yeah. It just lacks totally. that humility for me, and um, for that reason, I've I've kind of he's dead to me right now. About that course, yeah. I need to move on because I'm getting really angry. <laughs> so funny, um, <laughs> a, a Welsh getting angry at at a Dutch for joining Manchester United. <laughs> oh man. Good. What what a day. What a day. Uh, okay. Um, why don't you go into your second bust? Because you have two more and I have I kind of I have kind of one. Okay. Um, Danny Ings from Villa to West Ham. Oh, okay. Million. Um have been a fan of his in the past. Um think he is getting a bit too old for the game right now. Uh, Danny Ings is, you know, now in his 30s. He went to Aston Villa. He played mostly from the bench uh, when he was there. And he's had the odd goal here and there. But to me, Danny Ng seems like a player that is very much on the outs of his career. Um, he's done it in the Premier League before, but he's not doing it consistently now at all. Um, and I just think that it smacks of a desperation signing for West Ham. You know, you've got David Moyes there, who's very much on the ropes. Uh, West Ham are really struggling in the league, uh, are in 16th right now, but only really three points off uh, the bottom of the Premier League. Uh, so a really bad downturn in form for West Ham this season. And I think they've been looking for that silver bullet up top. And I really just don't think that Danny Ings is that. I think it's just a, it's a desperate signing from a desperate team, from a manager on the ropes right now. And I just don't see it working. Yeah, I don't know. I was conflicted when I saw this one because Danny Ings is, is, as you said, like he's a player with tons of Premier League experience. Something that that you you feel quite strongly is a, is a good quality in a in a transfer. Um, he he's good for you know he's a good in the box poacher. He's a good goal scorer. But I think that just everything has gone so wrong in so many odd ways this year for West Ham. Uh, it reminds me quite a lot of Everton last year. You know, a lot of good top quality players being brought in, expensive players being brought in, and just nothing fitting. Um, so 
I, I agree. Like, I think that, and it's unfortunate because Danny Ings just got injured in his first match for West Ham as well. So like that doesn't look good. Um, but I, I think he could end up contributing, but I also could, as you said, see him just kind of playing similarly to Vad Van Course, not really a huge role in the, in the outcome of West Ham in the, the second half of this season. Yep, I agree. Okay, well, what's your what's your point that you wanted to make here? I guess it's not a player, it's a point. Uh, yes, a, a bust of this transfer window is that Everton did not make any signings despite <laughs> being in the relegation zone. And I, that, I noticed that too. The only team, in fact, in the Premier League that did not make any signings and probably needed to. Unbelievable, unbelievable that Everton, yeah. uh, I mean, it, Everton, like we could do an entire episode about how much of a dumpster fire that club is at the moment. Fans allegedly trying to attack the owners, uh, you know, fans just generally uh, storming out of the stadium, uh, a team that that has a look of players too good to go down, who I think will go down despite uh, the king that is Sean Dyche coming in uh, for this relegation fight. Um, and yeah, a bust is just ha- like, how in the world do you not sell play? How, how don't you offload anybody? How don't you you know, make any sort of changes. I, I understand that your players are probably at values besides one player in particular that are quite low, but um, yeah, it was just, it was just like a very astounding thing to see them do nothing and, and think like, again, Sean Dyche is the right man for the job right now, but for that to be your one move in January is pretty, pretty unbelievable. Yeah. And I, and I don't hate the Sean Dyche appointment. The problem I have with it is they waited until January the 23rd to fire Lampard with eight days left in the transfer window. And then they get Dyche in maybe this the 29th or the 30th. And he has no mm-hmm. time to do anything. Like if you're going to make that decision as an owner of a club that like Lampard's got to go, make it at the you know, end of December, beginning of January, so that you have time to get somebody in and they have time to make their mark in the transfer market. You look at Everton, this is a team that sold Richarlison, sold Anthony Gordon over the course of the past year, two of their standout performers over the last few years. Solomon Rondon's off to River Plate. He's pretty terrible, but you know, <laughs> but still <laughs> they're they're getting rid of players. They're not attracting new players to the club. Um and that Everton will only survive on their defensive record. I think that's going to be the one thing that potentially saves them if they can nick a goal here or there. Because that's where I think they're the most solid. But ultimately, Sean Dyche is going to get James Tarkovsky and Dwight McNeil relegated again this season. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I definitely think, yeah, I think it's a great point. Like if you're going to bring, if you know that you're going to probably bring in a new manager, you, yeah, you cut your losses at the beginning of the, the window. Uh, I think that's a really good shout. And yeah, I I don't see Everton surviving. I don't see any any unity in that team. I don't see any chemistry. And I think that like it's it's a tight window. It's they're not done and dusted. They're only two point or three points out of the relegation zone, but I I don't see it happening. Yeah. It's gonna be I'd be shocked. I think I think this is the year. I think they were lucky to stay up last season. Um, and I can't see it. They're just the whole club is just poisonous right now. Um mm-hmm. from from the fans with Anthony Gordon to the complaints against the board to just, it just, it, it seems like a rotten to the core club right now. Um, yeah. And I, and I think the best thing that could happen to them is to go down. 
Yeah. Yeah. I so. I agree. I agree. All right. Who is your final bust? Um before you're we gonna on, you're gonna hate this. Jump over to overpays. Okay, go ahead. You're gonna hate this one. Weston McKinney. Um Ooh, yes, I yeah, like you'd hate one. it. Juventus like Juventus to Leeds. Um, I don't have a lot to really go off of here other than a gut feeling and just a a sense from myself that Weston McKenney seems like a massively overrated player. I think that mm. Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams are better players based on what I've seen from them in the Premier League and in the World Cup. Um, I don't see him making a massive difference to this Leeds team. Um, and I think the fact that he's played for Juventus in the past gives him a little bit of an ego, uh, maybe thinking he's too too good for Leeds. Um, and I think he's going to have less of a point to prove as a result. I don't see this. It is a loan transfer. It's low risk through the end of the season, mm-hmm. but I just don't see it. I think he'll be a bust there. Okay. I, I, I don't agree, but I, I can see your logic there. I have Weston McKinney in it. And then in my savvy deals category, actually. So kind of kind of the opposite. Um, my logic there, my logic on putting him there is I, I think that like with a re- another relegation threatened side, you're you're again, you're you're buying for need. You're not necessarily buying for excess or for future moves. You're buying for right now. And I think that what McKinney does provide that can be invaluable if if it happens, if it goes right, is you know, his immense chemistry with Tyler Adams in the middle of the park, like two players who have played right next to each other for the U S national team for like all through all the levels for eight or so years. And I think that there's definitely a gamble there. There's absolutely a gamble, but I think the upside is that they are able to, you know, really, really have that cohesion, lock it down, cut the goal issues that, that leads or cut the, you know, goals allowed issues that leads have always had. Um, but I, I could see it being a bust. I could see it going one way or the other. Yep. I think it'll it'll be interesting to watch. But again, to your point, at least it's a low-risk signing given it's on loan, right? Definitely. Definitely. Okay, let's jump into our overpays before we knock out the remaining savvy deals and then picking a team that won the transfer window. Uh, who is your uh, first overpay? Um, I'm going to go with Mikhailo Modric. Um, from Ooh. Shakhtar Donetsk to Chelsea, eighty-eight point okay. five million. Twenty-two-year-old um, has, you know, eight starts for Ukraine, zero goals for them. Very pacey player. Um, you know, he's 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 a player that likes to run at defenders as a winger on the left-hand side. There's going to be plenty of right backs that, um, you know, fall foul to bringing him down over the course of the season. Um, I just don't think he's done a whole lot yet. He's played at Shakhtar Donetsk in five years with some loans in between. He's got 29 appearances and he's got nine goals in that in a fairly weak league. Um, I'm not saying I don't think he'll be successful, but I do think that the amount they paid for him was also probably inflated to put off Arsenal, who were heavily mm-hmm. rumored to be signing him. And I think yeah. um, Bully just came in and just waved his checkbook and said, how much do you want? And they paid it whatever that amount was. So I think that, um, you know, about 15 million more for Enzo and Enzo has a much better track record, international record, um, you know, is, is somebody who I think has a lot more upward potential than Mudrick. And I think they've paid a bit too much for his services there at 22 years old. I think that's fair. I think what's, what's difficult and like, 
I think if we were having this conversation in a year, like there almost isn't even a purpose anymore of talking about overpays as it pertains to both the Premier League and then Chelsea in specific, because like the play, like the valuation of players going to the Premier League is is at a lud- it's at a ludicrous place. Like players going for forty mil that never should go would go for forty mil three years ago. Um, players going for a hundred mil that would never go for a hundred mil a few years ago. So it's almost like arbitrary to talk about at this point, but I could see your logic there. I think with wingers, they're always more temperamental. You you know, they, they paid quite a bit for Eden Hazard and he became one of the best players of this past decade for, for Chelsea, but yeah. it can obviously, it can obviously go in the other way. So I, I think that that's totally a fair point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think, be, I think that's be, not bad. Yeah, so I so I already said and en- Enzo Fernandez was one of my overpays. Um, we're gonna go three Chelsea players in a row here. I think paying eleven million pounds for six months of Jao Felix is a pretty wild overpay. And again, this is within the context of Todd Bowley spending all the money that he wants. So they're like overpay really doesn't mean anything. Um, but I think that Jao Felix is a player who notedly has shown and has spoken on his kind of uh, optimal position being playing off another striker, kind of a, a main striker, if you will. And that's just simply not something that Chelsea really has at the moment. I mean, that's been the biggest tale of the season is Chelsea like brought in Aubameyang, which has been a disaster. And they they don't really have that kind of out-and-out striking talent. Kai Havertz it fades in and out of, of relevancy. Um, so I just think like Joe Felix is a splash. It's a, it's a, very flashy signing, but it's not a player that I think is going to make a huge difference for the the current setup that Chelsea has. Yeah, no, I, I could see that. Again, I think low risk in the sense that you know it's it's, it's pretty expensive for for a six month loan deal. Um, but at the end of the day, they're not committing to anything that I know of. I don't think there's any like you know he plays a certain number of games obligation to, to purchase him. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I don't think it even comes with the opportunity to buy necessarily at a fixed price. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I can see I can see your points there. Um, and again, it'll be good to see how he does in the Premier League without necessarily having to commit to a monster transfer fee because he's already gone for one in his career so far. Um, so guaranteed Chelsea will beat that whenever they do decide they want to sign him permanently. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's that's what I thought of when I saw Enzo Fernandez. Enzo Fernandez's fee was immediately thought of Jack Felix making a similar move. Do you have any others, or were they the the ones that you're you were putting forward? They're all Chelsea players for this category. I do have one more. Do you do you have any more? I do not. Go ahead. Um, okay, so uh, I think you are not going to like this one because you know that I do like to kind of play the contrarian. Uh, <laughs> I think Newcastle really overpaid for Anthony Gordon. Uh, I yeah, I mean, pretty pretty simply put, like. He has faded out of relevancy of this year's Everton side, which I don't think is necessarily that big of a knock on him because Everton is awful right now. You can't take a ton on an individual player's quality when you look at how that club is operating. Um, but you know, we we all know that there's a, uh, a there's a premium for English talent. There's a premium for young English talent, uh, and he is is both of those. But uh, yeah, I just think 
And again, Newcastle, a team that has as much money as they want. Um, but looking at, you know, players in the past who have cost around that fee, I don't see Anthony Gordon being nearly the the polished or the kind of proven player that that I've seen go for that amount of money. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I don't really see how he contributes that heavily to and not Newcastle's success, because I think, you know, with the issues that St. Maximin has had this year, you can slot him immediately in at left wing. He'll probably be starting quite quite a lot of the matches, but um, it's kind of one of those, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it type approaches. And although this is a purchase for the future, uh, I don't know. I, I think you could have probably gotten him for cheaper, especially if Everton goes down uh, at the end of the season. Well, you went for 45 million, 40 million guaranteed with 5 million in add-ons at the end of the day. Um, Everton turned down a 50 million bid for him in the summer from Chelsea. So um, their price valuation from him did get lowered. Do I think we overpaid? Probably. But again, I think you're paying for potential um, and you're paying the English player premium as well. And no doubt he'll he'll get some England full England caps in, in his career as well. But he's a um, he's a talent. And I think that he's somebody that probably will do well from a nurture standpoint. I don't think he's had mm -hmm. a, a strong leader to nurture him. Rafa came in and did somewhat. And I think he played some of the best football of his career under Rafa Benitez. Lampard, you can't say the same thing under him. I think Lampard's just not necessarily that developer of a player. So, you know, you put him with a manager like Eddie Howe and sky's the limit. I, I also think that he was signed as an ASM replacement. I think that we'll mm. see St. Maximin leave in the summer. I wouldn't have been surprised if he left this January, but we have pretty lofty goals this season. Um, and I think he can still contribute to those. But I think he's Gordon's going to do all the things that St. Maximin doesn't do, um, that how values, pressing high up the pitch, tracking pressing, back, doing all of the biggest things. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, he's probably got less flair than St. Maximin um, and less kind of trickery on the ball than St. Maximin. Um, but he's probably going to chip in with more goals than ASM is as well, and probably more assists. So at the at the end of the day, it remains to be seen. I probably agree with you that we probably overpaid for him, but I'm still excited by the signing. Yeah, definitely. And now that I'm thinking about this, I, I think maybe maybe if we were to do an overpay section, we should have chosen Chelsea Newcastle as the two teams that you can't really put in that category just because you know everybody knows the the open checkbooks that they have other teams are similar but nobody really right now is near kind of that capacity that the newcastle and chelsea are uh but yes i i agree with you i i kind of wanted to just play contrarian but i also think that yeah he could very well down the road pay back that sum pretty handily yep okay so on to our next category um our players that were good value during the transfer window category. Um, I'll start and I'll, I'll pivot from our last conversation here from Newcastle, John Joe Shelby to Forrest. Um, mm, yeah, great, I great, like that. Great, great bit of business for Forrest who are fighting against relegation. Um, a player that's been a loyal servant for the last eight years for Newcastle and considers himself a lifelong Newcastle fan at this point um, has always done us right. You know, he had some disciplinary stuff when he first played for Newcastle. He figured that part of his um, his game out and hasn't really had issues with that since. And on his day, I think we've talked about this on the pod before, John Joe Shelby can ping a ball around like nobody's business. Um, mm -hmm. The long ball accuracy that he has uh, when it's clicking for him is is incredible. And I think just having a, 
steady head like that uh, with Premier League experience like he does in a team that just needs a little bit of leadership um, is a really a stupid of business for Nottingham Forest. It's an undisclosed amount. I've read reports of around three million pounds. If it is three million, what a deal for them. Um, mm -hmm. Decent wages, but just I think could be a game changer and a relegation saver for them this season. I like that. Yeah, I like that. A player, a player that I definitely criticized quite a lot for his on pitch performances, but yeah, has been has been a really loyal player for Newcastle. Stayed with us during the the relegation season, and I think we'll we'll do quite well there. I like that shout quite a lot. Who you got here, Zach? I'll stick with Nottingham Forest. Kaylor Navas is an unbelievable signing. <laughs> not only do I not why though, why yeah. though? Henderson's I, there. Yeah, like, I guess he's got injury right now, but like it's not a long-term injury. I just didn't. I didn't think that was where they needed strengthen, but maybe they just buy all the players. I, guess, I, I just <laughs> think it's hilarious. Like they buy all the players. They buy players. Won four Champions Leagues. Like. It's again, it's just this hilarity of what the Premier League has become that like Nottingham Forest can can persuade Kaylor Navas to to go and play for them as they as they fight out of of relegation trouble. Uh, yeah, with with the injury to Dean Henderson, that is one aspect of it. I think uh, again, if you're if you're talking leadership, like this guy has been around the block. Um, he's I would I can't confirm this, but I would assume he's the only player currently on. Nottingham Forest, who's won a Champions League, um, and, and let alone multiple. So I, I, I think it's a great move. I think it's an awesome move, and uh, the easily the funniest move of the, of the transfer window. If you're Dean Henderson right now, though, like you, you struggled as number two at Manchester United. You went out on loan to Nottingham Forest because you're pretty much guaranteed first team football there. Wayne Hennessy in the wings, but nowhere near as good a keeper as Henderson is. And then Kaylor Navas comes in. The it's amazing. It's 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 incredible <laughs> scenes. Incredible scenes. <laughs> it's just like it's it's wild. Nottingham Forest are hilarious. I I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually just maybe that was just my humor pick, but I think it's it's a good transfer. <laughs> Did you have anyone else on your list, or was the uh, are we going Nottingham Forest? Hundred um, percent. So I said McKinney before was one of mine. Uh, my last oh. one is. Uh, my last one is uh, Arno Arnot Danjuma to Spurs mm -hmm. on a loan. I about this one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, he's already shown I think two goals for for Spurs since coming over. Um, has looked just really impressive and has fit into that team very quickly. I, I think he's kind of the perfect type of player stylistically. You know, likes kind of drifting in and out of spaces. Is is able to kind of pick his moments and pick his pockets with. Um, a team in Spurs that that can be playing really on the front foot, foot, but can also kind of slow it down and and play a little more tactical football. So I, I again, I'm not sure the stipulations in the contract. I think I read that there is either not an obligation to buy, but an option to purchase, or just the expectation that they would go back in for him at the end of the season if uh, if they were interested. But yeah, I, I think a really good signing for Spurs and a team that's had a lot of injuries this season has had a lot of quality issues, especially in that midfield, attacking midfield area. Um, so yeah, I, I quite like this one. Yeah, I, every part of me thought Arno Danjuma was going to go to Villa and get reunited with Unai Emery. Like it was, mm. it was so on the cards for me that um, I, was, I was certain it was going to happen, but he didn't. And, you know, you, you mentioned he's, he's gone there and he's, he's scored a couple goals already. 
that's a couple goals more than Brazil's number nine has scored all season for Spurs. So um, mm. I, I wondered where he would fit in into that team, um, where they would be playing him and if he would be getting a lot of game time. Um, but, you know, assuming he continues to to play for them and is, is you know, scoring goals, then um, why not? I think it's a, it's a really astute bit of business for very low risk too. Yeah, and, and the one other thing is I like I think that Spurs Spurs' biggest issue and their biggest hindrance over the past what is it, four seasons since they made the Champions League final, three seasons, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. has been has it's it's been two things. It's been like a poor quality, uh poor quality fullbacks, I think has been a huge issue for them. And it's been a complete lack of other option when Harry Kane is not doing the job for you. I think that Spurs' over-reliance on Harry Kane is is notable. It's blatant. Um, it's not that you're like it's not that you're ever going to think Harry Kane's not your number nine, but you you can't have zero other options um in the 70th minute if it's not working, rotating him out, just giving him a game off. Uh, and I think that Dan Juma just it provides more fodder for you to kind of play around and pick and choose who is gonna be in that lineup. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on. So yeah, um, I, I like that call as well. Um, I actually considered him for that and uh, just put John Joe in there at the last minute. John Joe, John Joe's yeah. a ledge. All right, well, team that had the best window before we go to commercial break here. Um, I'm still gonna say Chelsea. Um, they mm. spent over 300 million British pounds. Let's put that into context right now. <laughs> the PIF a year and a half ago paid 300 million for Newcastle. In the space of 31 days, Todd Bowley paid more than that on incoming transfers for Chelsea Football Club. Um, Crazy. Just wild. Um, I do think they signed a ton of talent. Um, and, you know, if we go on a poor run of form, I could see Chelsea kind of rising up the table. Um, Graham Potter is the biggest question mark there right now, right? Um, so mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to see how they um doing this second half of the season after bringing in all these all these good players can they mesh can they gel um but the talent is most certainly there yeah uh chelsea is the team i hate the most in the premier league at this point in time because they're just kind of bastardizing like any sort of semblance of of team building but i i do understand where you're coming from i i I picked arsenal for this i think that like it it's kind of an easy layup because they're already at the top of the table. But I think all the, you know, they kept it simple. They bought three players that will probably contribute to them just holding on to, to that position and, and winning the the title this year. I think they were smart. They weren't reactive. Um, although it sounded like they were willing to pay, you know, quite a lot of money for Mudrick, quite a lot of money for Casado. They didn't get either of those players. And I think they still strengthened in both areas that, that were relevant for, from those players for perspective. Yep. I think that's a, that's a good shout too. I think, you know, they've, they've made some smart astute signings that have really firmed up their squad between now and the end of the season. I, I said this the other day to a friend, I think if Arsenal don't finish in the top two this season, I'd be shocked. And if they don't finish in the top four this season, it would be an utter disaster at this point. Like Champions League football is coming back to the Emirates, I think, undoubtedly. Do they have enough to hold off this Manchester City team? I don't know. Um, It's going to, I could see them probably finishing second at this point and City kind of catching them in the second half of the season. Wow. That's a bold claim. I mean, I don't, 
like I don't think there's any chance they drop out of the top two. They're 11 points out of Newcastle with the game in hand. They're 14 points out of Tottenham in fifth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could. I the argument or the question is, do they hold on? Um, I think I think they will win the title, but yeah, I I, I we'll see what happens. They they've been pretty perfect in every regard, both through injury, lack of injuries, as well as just coalescing incredibly around Mikel Arteta. So yeah, be... to your point, they haven't skipped a beat after losing Gabriel Jesus as well. Um, Eddie and Kedia, I would say, is probably up there with Rashford as the best player in the league since the World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's having a wonderful run of form right now as well. So, um, and a very young, talented player as well. So they got tons of those in their team. Yeah, they do. They do indeed. Um, all right, cool. Well, yeah, we will take a very quick commercial break and then we will give a quick love letter to Newcastle United uh, before kind of closing down the 95th episode of the Pulse Nine. We're back with the second half of episode 95 of the Pulse Nines podcast. Adam Goffin, let's talk about Newcastle United. They're our team. They've always been our team. They're the world's team right now. I'm not so sure about that statement, but they are flying at the moment, both in the league. We're sitting on third, uh, only six points behind Manchester City in second. And uh, let's see here, four excuse me, three points, but a game in hand uh, ahead of Tottenham Hotspur in fifth, positioned to hopefully make the Champions League and will be participating in our first cup final in, what is it, 65 years uh, at the end of this month? Our first league cup final in 65 years, yes. Um, our first cup final in about 25, I think. Um, it's, been mm. a, it's been a while since, since we've been in a domestic cup final. And if we were to win it, Zach, our first domestic trophy since 1955. It's insane. What a failure we've been for so long. <laughs> even even I wasn't alive for that. Uh, yeah, you were you were you were not even close. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> remarkable. Um, but yeah, the the chips have fallen positively for Newcastle, especially in the League Cup. Any given Sunday, my friend, and it is a Sunday. Why don't we start there? Carabao Cup finalists. Manchester United at Wembley, Sunday, February the 26th. Man United, probably one of the form teams in the league right now. Not an easy proposition whatsoever. However, you know, I feel like we've gotten a point at Old Trafford this season where mm-hmm. other teams have not. Um, a lot of the big teams have actually fallen at Old Trafford this, this season. We did not concede any goals. Therefore, we did not lose that game. I feel like we can do it again. Um, we'll need luck on our side and we'll need to play at our best. Um, yeah. I think, you know, but if we get a rub of the green there, I think we've got every chance of bringing home a trophy to Newcastle and what a celebration that would be if we were to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I think we've talked about this before that like, I don't have the attachment to the league cup that a, uh, a native Newcastle fan or, or even a, a native fan of the UK might have, but I think that, yeah, it's an incredible accomplishment. It's incredibly uh, like emblematic of the season that we are having. Um, I kind of look at it a little bit as a free hit because, like, as you said, we're, we're going up against one of the other form teams of the Premier League. Uh, we are also in current, like, in a current spot on the table to qualify for Europe. So whether it's through the League Cup or through the league, I think that it will happen. But, yeah, I mean... 
it, it's going to be a really fun match. And, and one thing that you pointed out before we started recording that I was unaware of was that by the time that match occurs, Bruno Guimaraes' red card, which he received in that game against Southampton this week for what was a very bad tackle, um, will have uh, have expired. The, the rules state that the red card applies to the next three matches in any domestic competition. So uh, our next three matches, as I looked, are West Ham, Bournemouth, and Liverpool in the league. You'd have to say two of those three matches are, are matches that you'd be willing to lose perhaps your best player for if you have to lose him at all. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll be ideally, uh, you know, pending any injuries at full strength for that match. Yep, that's the that's the hope, right? And hopefully we can get Callum Wilson back into some sort of goal-scoring form as well. Miggy's gone a little bit cold recently too, so... We've all gone um, cold. Yeah, except except for Sean Longstaff, who is just on fire right now. <laughs> he is indeed. He is indeed. But yeah, that that is one concern about Newcastle is that the goal scoring has kind of dried up, and um, we hopefully Alexander Isak getting close to full health. I think he should be starting uh, pretty much every match when he's at that point. Uh, he's looked really really positive in in brief kind of stints since coming back. So um, I'm excited to see him lead the lines going forward. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know if you saw in the League Cup game, the semifinal this week, he actually came off um, after coming on as a sub. Yeah, he uh, unfortunately suffered a concussion. Uh, he got his Ooh. head in the way of a James Ward-Prowse free kick, which, as you know, are usually hit with some venom. Um, so, yeah, um, concussion suspected. Um, so we'll see whether or not he's fit and eligible to play against West Ham this weekend. But, I mean, uh, yeah, great, great player if we can just keep him fit. I was hoping we wouldn't have another player like that, like a Callum Wilson, but touch wood, Callum's been relatively <laughs> fit recently, just not firing on all cylinders from a goal scoring perspective. His longest drought in a Newcastle shirt right now, standing about 10 games. Mm, I did not realize it was that long, but yeah, not, not, not any better time to break out of it than in a cup final. Yeah, exactly. So third in the league, I think, you know, I'll put you on the spot right here, Zach. Do you feel like Newcastle can finish and will finish in the top four this season? Yeah, yes and yes, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, we have, again, as I said, we're we're three points up on fifth place Tottenham. We we do have a game in the hand, so let's mark that down as a an optimistic win. We're six points up on Tottenham at that point in time. We have by far the best defense in the Premier League. We've given up only 11 goals in 20 matches that's five less than arsenal who is in second uh, goal scoring has been drying up quite a bit but as i said before a better defense is oftentimes more effective at allowing you to climb the table than a, a better offense uh and you know the players are completely surrounded by and infatuated with the coaching of eddie howe everybody has bought in everybody is is there to play for the club um I at this point would say I'd be I'd be surprised I'd be pretty pretty heavily surprised if we don't make the Champions League this year. Hmm. Wow, that's bold. I still think that it'll be a stretch. I think that European football is almost guaranteed at this point. I hate to say that. Touch wood that happens. Um, but I think that's the next logical step for us as a club, right? Get into Europe in some form or fashion, be able to attract bigger and better players in the summer window and then kick on from there. That's kind of where, where my, my head's at right now. So would I love to finish top four? Absolutely. Will I be devastated if we don't? No, because I think we're still going to show some great progress this year. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be devastated. Yep. Um, and then just the last talking point here on Newcastle before we hop over into top goal scorers. Um, just a shout out for Eddie Howe. Uh, what an impact he's made in just over a year at the helm, taking on a team mired in the bottom three of the Premier League, um, leading them to an improbable survival last year and last season and really thriving and and, and getting us almost to the mid-table there by the end of the season and now kicking on and taking us into Champions League qualification places. I mean, th- could it have gone any better? Um, <laughs> now is yeah i mean yeah it's it's been perfect it's been perfect he's been the perfect manager for newcastle yep and at this at this point would you take anyone else if you were offered anyone else like let's say best coaches in the world like um maybe you have the opportunity to sign pep right as your as your manager do you even want him in that role over eddie how uh i mean I mean, like, do you want Pep? Yes, but no, like, I, there's no reason. Yeah, there's no reason to think that anybody could be doing a better job. Like, I don't think another manager would have Newcastle in second or in first in the Premier League. Like, we are, we are truly well and beyond our ceiling at the moment. We're punching pretty high above the weight that people expected. So he, he is the perfect man for the job. Ironically, I think that if Newcastle finishes top four, and Arsenal wins a title. I think that Mikel Arteta will win Manager of the Year, um, which is is wild to think, you know, with as you said, how how improbable an achievement it would be for Newcastle. But I, I think Eddie Howe is is the the ultimate manager for Newcastle right now. Amen to that. Um, what an incredible managerial signing he has been. So a tip of the cap to you, my friend, Mr. Eddie Howe. Long may you continue in the role of manager of our beloved two army mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes yes indeed all right well from a fantastic newcastle team to a phenomenal striker we're going to talk about our epl top goal scorers right now erling holland right now for manchester city in the space of 20 games has 25 goals in the premier league he scores when he wants zach he does uh, he does he- Um, just an incredible player um, and amazing to think that potentially he could go a season like this and maybe not win any silverware with Manchester City that would just be wild (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but like just an an unbelievable striker anyway I'll stop with the superlatives for Erling Haaland 25 goals in second place right now nobody's catching him 16 goals Harry Kane 13 for Ivan Toney 11 for Alexander Mitrovic. It's cooled off a little bit. And then 10 for Mr. Rodrigo of Leeds United. That was a surprise for me when I pulled those numbers earlier on today. Um, mm-hmm. Double digits for Rodrigo, the forgotten man at Leeds. Yeah, he's been he's been so good. He's been by far their best player this season. Uh, and yeah, I, I like I like Rodrigo a lot because he when he scores it here you 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 see him celebrating as if he's a lifelong Leeds resident uh he he just like loves playing for that club uh and yeah i i really hope Leeds survive uh, obviously the usa bias but they're they're a fun team to watch uh yeah two two former newcastle players on the top five goal scorers that's fun yeah exactly right <laughs> mitro with that um wild penalty miss if you will that was crazy against, against newcastle never, never seen that 
never 40 seen plus that. years of my life, I have never, ever seen somebody kick the ball into their standing leg and have it disallowed. That's just incredible. <laughs> Maybe he did yeah. it deliberately just so he would be in good graces with the two army stuff. Sure, 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 sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was actually insane. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a fun year to watch Erling Holland be better than everybody else at scoring goals. <laughs> yes, it has. What you need to know here is Erling Holland is winning the Golden Boot, and nobody has a chance in hell of catching him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, it sounds like we we accidentally kind of fell fell halfway short on, on our final two sections, armchair pundits and 10 and 90. I have an armchair pundit and I don't have a 10 and 90. You have a 10 and 90 and you don't have an armchair pundit. So, but you know what? We're giving our listeners what they want. We're giving them both segments, Zach. Exactly. All that exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So go um, ahead. We typically do armchair pundits first 10 and 90 seconds. So why don't you take it away with your armchair pundits prediction? Uh, yeah, my armchair pundits is I don't see Chelsea really being a title contender at all next season, uh, despite the fact that they're spending all the money that the world has to offer and will do even more in the summer from from rumors that I've read and, and leaks that have come out of the club of of this, quote unquote, just being the beginning. Uh, I think gelling as a team and developing team chemistry is a really, really hard thing to do. And I think there are going to be a lot of unhappy players at that club come next season. Players who were bought with the intention and probably being sold on the expectation of getting starting football. I don't, I have no idea how Graham Potter manages all these egos. I, I don't know if Graham Potter is the right man for the job. I, he has no experience in this situation. Nobody really does. It, it's it's Nottingham Forest on steroids right now. But um, yeah, I think that like as we've seen this year with Arsenal, as we've seen with Newcastle, as we've seen with Brighton, uh, post Graham Potter especially, there is unbelievable value in a team that can play well together and knows how to play together. Um, you know, they'll have a whole summer to get at it, but I just think that they're there are teams that that are better than Chelsea right now. There are teams that will be better next season. Um, and I, yeah, this is partially a hope as much as it is a prediction, but I hope and predict that Chelsea is not really relevant in the title race next season. Yeah, um, it wouldn't shock me. I think to your point, they're, they're doing what Forrest are doing and they're basically buying anyone and everyone at this point. Um, now they're they're spending with much more of a blank checkbook than I think Forrest necessarily are and buying better quality players than they are. But the level of expectation for Forrest is survival and the level of expectation for Chelsea is pushing for the title in Champions League. Um, and, you know, when you have that much turnover at a club, it can take a while for, for them to gel. The success that mm -hmm. Howe has had at Newcastle has largely been solidifying and improving the players that he had at his disposal not just going out and spending crazy amounts of money on anybody that he chooses. So um, it's interesting for Potter because he's not been in this position before to have this wealth of talent. He's used to grooming younger players um, into superstars. Um, and here he's buying superstars um, and with a little bit of ego that comes with that too. So um, I, li I like this prediction. Um, I'd be surprised if they didn't finish top four next season. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, I see your point for sure. Cool, 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 cool. All right, well, let's take it home with 10 and 90. Um, I have prepared five plus a bonus question for you, as I always do, Zach. And the topic today is one 
overrated, overpaid for player, <laughs> Anthony Gordon of Newcastle. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, question number one. Has Anthony Gordon had any full international caps yet? What does full, full mean? Uh, for the um, not, not under 21, not under 20s, like oh. a full international cap. Um, I like the definition by using the word. Uh, <laughs> um, I I don't think so. I don't. I mean, maybe in a friendly that I didn't pay attention to. But I don't. I don't think Anthony Gordon has gotten a cap for England. He is not. He is um, currently sitting at nine under twenty-one caps with four goals, but he has not played for the full men's national team yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. Question number two. Which championship team did Anthony Gordon go on loan to in the 2020-2021 season at the ripe old mm. age of 19? Oh, I recently saw this, but might not be able to pull it out of my head. Is it Luton? Was it Luton that he played for? It was not. It was Preston North End at a relatively mm. successful season. Okay. Yep. I did see that, yeah. All right, question number three. What is Anthony Gordon's middle name? Oh man, am I gonna get a clue or am I just gonna? No, nope, I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you a clue in that it's a fairly traditional British name. It is not a strange, unusual name. It's a very common name. What's your guess? Anthony, Anthony, Anthony. Uh, let's see, Anthony Callum Gordon. <laughs> it's not. It's Anthony Michael Gordon. A M G. All right. All right. Yeah. Which former Everton player does Gordon refer to as his idol? Mm. Is it Rooney? No, it's not. Is it um former Everton? Give you one more go go here. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, give you a clue here because I think this one's gonna be a tough one for you. Yeah. In okay. his in his career, he played for Everton as a left back. Is it Leighton Baines? It is well done. You pulled that one. Out. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Leighton yeah. Baines was his idol growing up. He has a lot of pictures with him um, growing up um, as a kid, and he got to play with nice. him in the twilight of Baines's career as well. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Leighton Baines, is, I remember Leighton Baines from when I first became a Premier League fan in like the late 2000s. Um, he was relevant at that point. So yeah, he's that's like the first, that's probably the first Everton player that I could like identify just off, you know, like offhandedly. That's funny. Yep. All right, question number five, final question, Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon is a boyhood fan of which club? <laughs> I'm going to go with Everton. <laughs> is the Incorrect answer. Ooh, is it Liverpool? Is he a Liverpool fan? He was Ooh. born in Liverpool. What a he snake. is a Liverpool fan. It's 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 very much something he tries to keep under wraps. He actually got released from Liverpool as a youth player at the age of eleven, and then joined Everton. So he's been with the club for such a long time, but he was a boyhood Liverpool fan. Hmm. Yeah, I knew he played for the Liverpool academy, but. That was a coin flip. So damn, there you I, go. I missed on that one. 50-50, you got it wrong, my friend. <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right. Um, okay, so our Welsh word for the day, I'd like you to pronounce mm -hmm. it. I will go ahead 
and spell it for you. It's B A C H. <laughs> See, this is the type of word that scares me because it's so simple. Then. <laughs> um, Beck. Beck, like the musician Beck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. No. That's that's absolutely not the right answer. Oh no! What <laughs> it is Bach? Oh, but yeah, that's just like that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> and what does it mean? Uh, bath. No, it does not. <laughs> it means child oh, or little right. little little one. <laughs> that one that one that one's leaving a sour taste in my mouth. <laughs> I prefer like I prefer like Hlanethli or something like that. There you go. Yeah, you see, you got the accent yeah. going there and everything. I love it. Rolling the L's, it's good stuff. You've yes, learned a lot exactly. over the years of doing the pods. That <laughs> is the only thing that I've learned is how to pronounce that one Welsh word. <laughs> and, and, and ambulance. You think you did that? Oh one. yeah, that was a really that was really funny. I forgot yeah. about that. Um, <laughs> the the annals of of the last thirty five seconds of. of the false science history exactly. uh, there's been some classics in there <laughs> yeah yeah um cool well yeah i think i think the plan is we'll be back in probably the end of february around for our 96 episode we're we're nearing 100 so we're going to try to kind of space that out uh to hit the end of the season with that celebratory episode but uh yeah hope everybody hope everybody enjoys the football this weekend and and in the coming weeks and we'll yeah, I think we'll be reporting back right after, maybe maybe right after the Newcastle Cup final. That'd be fun. Yeah, this time this time next pod we could be millionaires, Zach. That's true. That's true. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you made that up, but all right, okay. <laughs> it's a it's a uh, it's a famous line from an old show called um, "Only Fools and Horses" in the UK. This time next year okay. we'll be millionaires, <laughs> but this time next pod we could be Carabao Cup winners and there it celebrating is. our first trophy since 1955 so if that isn't rich i don't know what is that no better way to finish the pod <laughs> see you guys next time peace footy we're doing it backwards <laughs>